When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today is Wednesday, April 12th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 508 features NBC Sports Boston Chris Forsberg and former ESPN fantasy basketball writer Seth Landman. And I'm Evan Valenti, and this show is powered by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. Get a $200 bonus on your first bet of at least $5 or more. All right, what's up? Welcome in. Celtics beat, and finally, I mean, I don't want to call the regular season a slog or anything (laughs) like that. It's fun. I enjoy the regular season. I really do. I am one of the people that enjoys the journey to the destination. I don't wish away time saying, ah, they're going to be there. Let's just fast forward. No, it's fun, but I got to admit, it's pretty fun when we get to this point. A 57-win regular season in the rearview mirror, I would call it, though some would disagree in the media, I've heard it, but a successful regular season for the Celtics. I know they weren't the one seed, but it was a success. But now, really, all that matters is what happens, hopefully, over the next captivating two months into June that we can enjoy all of this. We will see. We know it will be The Boston Celtics and the Atlanta Hawks, shockingly enough, in round one, beginning Saturday afternoon. I am Adam Kaufman. As you can see, if you're watching and I am telling you, if you're listening, there is no Evan Valenti. He's on vacation and uh, it will be just him next week when I am on vacation. So we'll work together again uh, come round two, hopefully. Chris Forsberg is here, NBC Sports Boston. Seth Landman, a contributor to this program every once in a while, a consistent part of the text thread that Evan and I have talking hoops all the time. And of course, You may have seen his stuff years ago at ESPN covering fantasy hoops. Gentlemen, it is great to see you. Great to talk with you. Great to preview playoff hoops with you. Welcome. I'm going to celebrate that it was episode 508. That's my, my, you know, my area code out here. So, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a Massachusetts special. Yeah, well, how fitting that we uh, get to talk playoffs and and just all things Massachusetts and the Boston Celtics <laughs> here in this podcast. Uh, listen, there's, I, I think a lot more of this show will be about the Celtics, obviously, than it will be about the Atlanta Hawks. If we wanted to do a deep dive on the Hawks, I would have had a Hawks beat writer here, but that's not what people come here for this show for. It's big picture stuff as it relates to the Boston Celtics. And uh, I, again, I, I said it off the top, I, I will harp on it probably multiple times i'm shocked i am shocked that the miami heat are not the first round opponent i am shocked 
not just that the Heat lost, but that they went out and treated that play-in game with the Hawks like it was the second leg of a back-to-back in mid-December. They just looked like they did not care. They played like crap. The Hawks, who have been a team that have been laughed at throughout the majority of this season, are now in the actual postseason, Chris. And uh, it's not a team. What's the right way to put this? I am one of many, probably you guys as well, but I'll get your opinions. Definitely fans that are listening, because I've I've seen the tweets in my mentions. People are taking this series for granted. They are calling for a sweep. Uh I am calling for a gentleman sweep. I think the Celtics will take this thing in five. I've already put money on the Celtics taking this thing in five. I've also put money on Boston winning this, you know, minus two and a half games. I think this is going to be a comfortable series victory for the Celtics. But I do recognize there's Trey Young. I do recognize there's DeJounte Murray. I do recognize there's Clint Capella. I recognize there's some good young talent on that team. There's John Collins as well. And I also, above all of that, recognize this is a Celtics team that has a uh, kind of a a penchant for taking teams for granted. And I hope, I hope Chris, that the Celtics do not allow themselves to take this series for granted in the same way that their fans and many in the media already are. Yeah. Well, you nailed it, right? Like if you have one concern with this team, it's they dominated the the best in basketball throughout the course of 82 games. But for whatever reason, those Orlando magic and, uh, Utah Jazz and, uh, you know, everybody else along the way were the were the speed bumps. And so I do agree. I think the only thing that can eat then and I don't even think it can fell the Celtics in this series, but it can trip them up a little bit uh, is if they kind of come out and just assume they're going to win. And I don't suspect they will. I hope, as you said, they've learned from their regular season transgressions and they uh, they should have motivation you know, I just you start looking at it. You, you said you, you you listed your your you started your list of worries with Trey Young. That probably probably shouldn't be the the most worrisome on the on your list because <laughs> you know the Celtics have exploited him defensively time and time again. And uh, all you need to do is rewind to what was in March when the Celtics were down there and he had a little uh, kick of the foot towards Marcus Smart's groin. I think uh, Marcus Smart will have some extra motivation coming into this series. If he didn't already want to reestablish himself as a sort of an all defense type of guy, then this series will allow him to to, to flourish there. And so it's hard for me to just see a way that, and I, I don't want to be overconfident, but I like I just don't understand. I don't I don't see the roadmap for the Hawks, and so uh, they're going to have to show me something here in the early stages of this series. I just think the Celtics are too talented, and isn't it ironic? That after all the hand-wringing about, oh, they fell to the number two seed and they're going to draw the big bad heat. <laughs> and now you get maybe the most advantageous draw out of the the potential play-in team. So, uh, you know, maybe uh, we'll, I'll give Joe all the credit and say he knew that this was the way it was going to map out. He just had to let the Bucks rip off a 20-game winning streak to, to go ahead and get there. Listen, not to slight a fan favorite, but what the hell? He's not listening. Isaiah Thomas was Gary Payton, you know, standing next to Trey Young at at this point. (laughs) The Celtics should have no problem with Trey Young on that end, to your point. But, you know, he can catch fire offensively. And if the Celtics allow themselves, and, and I think that is the right way to put it, if they allow themselves to get a little bit lazy, you know, Trey Young could have multiple 40 point games in this series, Seth. So, you know, how do you guard against you know, not, not, not literally like not on the floor guarding against how do you mentally or emotionally or psychologically guard against 
a letdown if if you're Joe Mazzulla or is it is it a point where we've had this conversation a number of times on and off air where coaching, you know, when you have a very talented team, a contending team can be a little bit overrated across the NBA. This is not just Boston across the NBA. Coaching doesn't matter as much when your team is stacked. So is it up to Joe or is it up to the players to recognize, you know, hey, like <laughs> we got a job to do here. We don't need anyone to tell us how to do it. Well, I mean, if you think, you know, it seems like they underachieved at times this year, which is weird to say about a a team that just won 57 games. But if they underachieved, it is this thing like they compared to other teams in the league. They did a great job playing against the other great teams in the league, and they struggled against mediocre teams and bad teams. And I would say like, um, okay, so like one of the stats I was looking at is that the Celtics were first in defensive rebounding this year. But it's weird because the Celtics don't have like the best rebounder on the team is Rob. I know, Chris, I know you love him. Oh, yeah. But like, I get my ball ahead. You know, (laughs) compared to other teams, like most other teams have at least one rebounder who's like a more dominant rebounder than Rob kind of. So but the Celtics do it as like a team effort. And I think it's the kind of thing where, you know, they're first in the league at defensive rebounding. But Miami's a great defensive rebounding team who rebounds kind of in a similar like gang rebounding way to the way we do. And the Hawks just got like a billion offensive rebounds and beat them the other night. So like, I do think, and the Hawks are talented. So if you, I'm like Chris, I'm not worried about Trey specifically, actually, like I think Murray is a scarier matchup for us in a lot of ways, but if there's a weakness here, it's like when the Celtics don't play their hardest, that rebounding thing that's been a strength all year becomes like a little mediocre and Capella and Collins start crashing the glass. Maybe that's like a way the Hawks take a couple games. Um, you know, I mean, I, I like we've been like Celtics fans long enough to remember that we lost three games to the Hawks in 2008. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. It's just you never know what could, like even that team lost three games to a mediocre Hawks team. So because it took them for granted. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean, this this right here to go full circle, right? Like this is the Al Horford Bowl, Chris. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I realize, that, you know, the, the names and faces and, and hell, the jerseys have have changed a lot in the, uh, you know, how, however many years it's been since 2008. I don't feel like doing the math, but this is, you know, I look, this is what the Celtics wanted. If, if you were to, not that they would have admitted it, but if you were to ask any of them to a man going into that play in game between the heat and Hawks, what are you rooting for? We want to play Atlanta. It's what anyone in the media would have told you obviously was the preference. And, you know, to now be here at this point against a team that, that you won handedly against three times in the regular season, won by an average of 13 points. I guess I'm just, you know, short of, injury or, or or health concerns, which are unpredictable to some degree. And I'll get to that in a little bit. But other than that, you know, is is what is it about the Celtics, you know, that could stand in their way? I I, I started to chuckle because it's I, I want to say themselves, right? It, yeah. It's just, it's themselves. It, they can beat themselves if they if they just play their game. This really shouldn't be much of a series. No. And and, and again, the, the, the Hawks are. are excellently talented on the offensive end and they can get Trago nuts and they can crash the glass. They have plenty of like nice little parts that would work if they had more top end talent. And unfortunately just the Celtics have lived this. You have small guards who are offensive minded 
it's really hard to win titles with those guys. And that's no disrespect to Kemba and Isaiah. As you said, they were probably better individual defenders than Trey Young. And so it, I think they're going to exploit that matchup. I think they're going to do everything they can to just like make Trey's life difficult, trap him, have Marcus just hound him. And then you live with what like the supporting cast probably isn't going to beat you. And if they do, it'll be once, you know, so uh just as you said, it the, the it really tipped in their favor. At least you feel like this is a team that just can't really stop you defensively. And if the Celtics play anywhere near the level they did at the start of the year or even the end of the year, I mean, the second best offense in the league, it's going to be really hard for Atlanta to keep up with them. And I, again, I hate being the I hate being overconfident and like just feeling like you're in a roll. And not, even beyond the Celtics struggle in that instance, because it just feels wrong. Like every like teams in the NBA are good, and you're supposed to show up and Quinn Snyder has been through, you know, the playoffs with with those Utah teams. And uh, it's not going to be like just a, a, a complete lapper, but you just look at the matchups and it's hard to, to to again, game plan where the Atlanta could. This isn't this isn't Al Horford and Josh Smith and uh, whatever, whoever else was on that. I, I'm, I'm tempted I'm to Dennis Google Schroeder on that team. Uh, you know what? I think that was later, but later? Uh, I need to. I, I, I need to been around. Feels yeah, like forever. I, a little later. I, Remember, there's been multiple Al versus the Celtics series. The one that's that true. actually that 2015 year or 2016, 2015, I think it was, was when yeah. they recruited Al essentially because he was so blown away by how crazy fans were in Boston for that Isaiah Thomas year that he came in and then him and Jay Crowder sort of spurred everything. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if there's any Hawks you want to recruit uh, this year. Maybe the maybe mm-hmm. they're putting out feelers. Uh, I, I, I think Seth said perfectly. I'm more worried about the DeJounte Murray's and like their bench has been pretty good having Bogdanovich and Okong Wu. And, you know, like I I worry a little bit more about that than I necessarily do any of their starters. The the, the bottom line is I, I was down there for that last Atlanta game and like, the first, well, the first five minutes felt like an all-star game because no one played any defense. But Jalen and Jason are going to get whatever they want. And I know they got wings. I don't know how – they're not very good defending wings, uh, at least not that night. And uh, I just I just think if, if this Celtics team is engaged, uh, it's it's okay to to feel pretty confident going in. I am glad you brought up Quinn Snyder, though. Is, is there a – can we say that Atlanta has the coaching advantage going into this series, even if it maybe doesn't matter because the talent disparity is so large? I love that Seth shook his head immediately like now. <laughs> I mean, he's been coaching the team for how long now? Yeah, two weeks. <laughs> no, I, I just mean the fact that he like and not not necessarily an advantage in that like he 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 knows all the ins and outs of the Hawks. But I just, you know, like Chris said, he's been through the ringer. He's coached multiple playoff series for the Jazz. He's more established. He's done it, you know, versus Joe, who's going through it for the first time. I just think like Joe, Joe went through, uh, you know, we went to the finals with Joe as an assistant coach of this same roster, basically like, and they play, if anything, the Celtics this year have like doubled down on a lot of what they did last year. They like, they've become like a more extreme version of the team they were last year. Like, you know, we shot a lot of threes and played a certain style of defense under Ime. And I would say we're shooting even more threes and playing even more that style of defense. Like, I know the defense hasn't been quite as locked in this year, but, you know, um, like we never foul. Uh, we don't, we like, we, we get all the uh, defensive rebounds. Like um, there are these like strategic things. And I, so I think, I don't know, co- like I, there's like the, I guess there's like the end of game stuff you could maybe quibble with, but I just, 
uh, you know, like the Hawks are going to go to Trey at the end of games. We're going to go to Tatum at the end of games. <laughs> like they're going to get the shots they get. I, I I don't think it's that big of a deal. I really don't. We, we, this, I gotta say, I always say we, but you know, be careful. Like the Celtics are going to go to like Sam Hauser in the final minutes when it's 30 point game. And, and, you know, maybe like JD Davison <laughs> is going to be your late game option. If, if these games go the way I expect, you them are to. confident. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I need more, I need more JD to Luke in crunch time to, uh, to make this a, uh, to make this a breezy series. The one thing I will say, the series will make Quinn Snyder miss guys like Donovan Mitchell who do it on both ends and who are playoff tested. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens after this. Like it was always going to be a very interesting off season for Atlanta, even before they, you know, surprisingly won this, but uh, depending on how this series goes, I'll be, I'll be very interested to see what, what becomes of that roster that that was improbably in the Eastern conference finals a couple of years ago. God, this will uh, this this will resonate with Patriots fans of of a certain age. I mean, certainly our age, but Patriots fans of of the Tom Brady era. This is like the double bye week. You know, you don't have to deal with the play in tournament. Now you have the Hawks in round one. You know, Chris is talking about Hauser and Davison, you know, getting getting time in 30 point blowouts. Like Blake Griffin's going to be averaging 10 minutes a game in, in this series. You know, let's for, for anyone that missed it, this the the. Series schedule is out. Okay. It begins Saturday afternoon. We already knew that at the garden three 30 and then notable, very notable for, uh, for, for our, is, a, is quite ruffled by this. Yeah. Either ailing or aging big men or, or whatever. You got two days between games one and two and two days between games two and three. So that's Tuesday in Boston for game two. Game three is Friday in Atlanta. And then it's Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday as the series goes on. Should it go to seven, which, you know, obviously the three of us do not believe that will be the outcome. So as far as rest coming in, I mean, just how big an advantage is that for Boston as it relates to not health per se because again injuries happen you can't predict that but just trying to maintain keeping al fresh keeping rob fresh keeping marcus fresh attempting to you know this series attempting to keep tatum and brown's minutes down so they're not overworked in this series if possible if these games aren't close late i mean what is the objective i guess or or is is there a downside chris i'm almost worried that they're not gonna have played enough basketball over the last two and a half weeks like they they, yeah. they had a pretty they were able to rest guys down the stretch of this of this regular season after two was locked in so um i almost feel like you gotta gotta keep them paced i could tell guys are just even this week at practice guys are anxious you know yeah i was telling you before we jumped on it's weird to be on that treadmill and every other night you're playing every other night you're playing and then boom the treadmill stops for a week uh and so now we gotta gotta gun it back up and not only it goes up to a higher speed so uh, yeah, I almost, I, it's never a bad thing when, uh, you can get Al and Rob as much rest as possible. Uh, but I do think there's a balance to it. And, uh, you know, I think they will be appropriate. They, they, they know how to pace themselves at this point. I think, you know, one of the things Al said the other day was that last year, you know, you dive in and you sweep the nets and then you got a break, right? Like a little bit of, there was some time there and it was, it was good to have it. And then really from the, the the start of the Milwaukee series straight through the end of the NBA finals, it was, it was wild. Like it was just a tornado of basketball. And so I think they're uh, appreciative of, of any breaks they can get, but yeah, um, 
you know, if we're if we're looking at things to lament, we'll we'll lament like, oh man, did did they have too much time off? Do they like, you know, let's let, and I will I will relent. Like, let's see how the series. Is. I actually thought you were going to say that that it, the, the the when you were pointing to the schedule that, that there's an NBA TV game uh, in the mix, which which people are very upset about that the Celtics would be relegated to like a non-essentially national <laughs> game. Uh, one, I'll remind everybody that every game is on NBC I was Sports Boston. Yeah, and round, so one. For round one, I need everybody to come hang out with us. Uh, and then, you know, especially for pre and post the for the duration of the playoffs. But uh, yeah, don't worry about about what the national networks think of your basketball team. Come hang, come hang out with us. Also, that's a Hawks problem, not a Celtics. Problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also true. Can I just for the for for giggles for the for the sake of the podcast? Can I devil's advocate this thing a little bit? Oh, dude, you know, you know, I'm ready to go there. Yeah. It, well, I, I, I don't know if, if we're going to the same place, if we're not, you know, go wherever you want to go as well, but is the Hawks the right matchup? And what I mean by that, what I mean by that is the heat would have been tougher. Like the heat, I, I would have come on this podcast and said, I'm scared to death. The Celtics are going to lose in round one. The heat would have petrified me. Do I think the Celtics would have ultimately won? Yeah. I think it would have taken longer and I think it would have been harder, but it would have petrified me all the way through. The reason I even asked the question, though, is in terms of just getting prepared for what's to come, would the heat factoring in the, the layoff of a week, the, the space between the, the games, the fact that it shouldn't be a difficult series ends in four or five games, would the heat have been a better preparation for the Bucks and whoever else you're going to see along the way if the Celtics are fortunate enough to to really go on a couple month run here? versus the Hawks, which feel like, you know, they, they should be a pushover. You're no, talking next about, question. you're talking about like steel sharpened steel or something. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. To some degree. If let, let's just hope the Celtics don't need that at this point. I think like their steel got pretty sharp, like going through the, the, the bucks and the heat and the warriors last year. And the, like, um, they're, they know what they're in for. Like they know what come like, uh, you know, we'll see how round one goes. They know what's coming for them after round one in these playoffs. Like there's no way there's any surprises about that. And I don't think like, you know, I, I'm not like a huge believer in like, um, like rest for rest sake. Like, I think, I think the teams are probably doing a good job of thinking about like how they need to rest guys. And that like, maybe like, we don't need to spend as much time thinking about that as we do sometimes, but like, you know, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to have like a series that isn't exactly like sharpening your swords uh, before you go into these much tougher series. Chris, for I you, feel, give me the Hawks. Uh, yeah, I feel like we're we're really struggling to just like keep put some inject some life into this series. Should we just preview Philly? <laughs> I mean, like, uh, I, you know, unfortunately, and, and maybe, it, it, of course, everything changes. Everything's so we're, we're, we're suckers for recency bias. So maybe game one's close and we're sitting here going, oh, okay, this is going to be a tougher series than you think. And certainly that could happen. And just there's, there's no, there's no reason to believe that it's going to be just a complete breeze. But hmm. um, yeah, I just, I just can't get my, I, I keep waiting for something to be like, oh yeah, that's, that worries me, you know, and I'm, I'm just well, not there. I'm just not there. Well, what are you, what, like, I'm sure we all have worries about this team, like in terms of like what happened, I guess, again, mostly against the heat and the warriors is what I'm thinking about in last year's playoffs. But 
I don't know, like maybe we should talk about some of the things that worry us, us about the Celtics, like moving forward. It doesn't have to be about Philly in particular. No, like, it, that, that's a good point. So, I mean, obviously, like I think we just fall back initially to what ailed them last year, ball security. Yeah. Um, what happens when three pointers don't fall, like which feels like it's going to happen probably multiple times in the playoffs where you got to manufacture beyond just what your your sort of the tenants of your offense are and so like how do you respond to that I thought yeah. it was notable they they were talking the other day about that about like okay well you know what are our what do we do if if if, if things aren't working and you know being prepared for that being prepared for like junkie zone defenses because mm. they Miami loved the they hit them with those wrinkles last year um yeah those those are those little things and just like consistency from the bench yeah, you know, I mean, Tatum's going to go four of eighteen a couple of times. So, right. you know, where's the offense going to come from? It, it, and so, is Malcolm Brogdon giving you that that six man juice, like being the third superstar off the bench? Is Grant going to be like Grant's probably the biggest wild card to me? You know, he was awesome last playoffs. I'd feel a lot better if he if he had played to that level uh, in the second half of the season and to the to the finish line of the year. Uh, but like he can he can erase a lot of the bad if he's good in the playoffs. And so little, little stuff, Rob's health, you know, obviously yeah. just got to keep him upright. Got to keep him looking spry. It was good to hear him saying he feels good. And, and, and those last couple of games, I thought one of those Toronto games, he looked really spry. I thought the Milwaukee game more than any, you know, he just looked like, okay, wow, this, this is the guy that can be a difference maker. So it, there'll be some of that in terms of just feeling this team out. And I don't, we'll, we'll see how much we learn from round one. Uh, but just like you said, it's uh, it. What would what would really inspire confidence is if this team came out and took care of business and understood it's the better team and just like which it hasn't done very often. So mm. uh, we'll, we'll we'll see if it does that. But yeah, like if, it's it's weird. Like I I like to 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 bust Joe's chops about the whole four factor stuff, and he loves talking about the margins and oh like offensive rebound rate and free throw rate and all this. And I'm like, man, like nobody cares about Not nobody cares about that stuff, but like the, the casual, well, Seth, I know you care about it, but like <laughs> casual fan isn't sitting there obsessing about, about four factors. And, uh, and he, I mean, he, he, he'll, he'll read the box score to you at these, at yeah. these post game. Uh, but those things will matter in the postseason, And the Celtics were not particularly good at some of those things last year, especially like, you know, free throw rate and, and obviously uh, turnover percentage. So, well, like one of, the, one of the like it, it does go back to stats, but one of the kind of like mood things about this team is that I became sort of obsessed with last year in the playoffs is the way. OK, so like we struggled, the Celtics struggled in the half court mm-hmm. last year in general, a pretty average half court offense last year. They've been an incredible half court offense this year. So that's a major difference in the regular season. But in the playoffs, it turned into this snowball effect where because the half court offense wasn't good and then we, and then they were struggling in transition defense it, it you know those things keep working it's like a um like what, what do you call it like a tesla coil like it just keeps like <laughs> expanding and so every time you know you turn it over they get an easy shot then you have to set up your offense right. against that so that's one of the patterns i guess that i'm i'm just wondering i mean the the half court offense has been so much better this year but you know, when you're playing, when you're hunting mismatches, is the ball going to move enough? I mean, uh, could you get into some bad habits against the Hawks? I get these are just some of the things like when I started thinking about what happened to the towards the end of the playoffs. Um, yeah, that that like, what do the Jays do 
when things get tight? Are they willing to get off the ball and like set a pick and get it back? Or do they just try to put their head down and go to the basket? Because when teams have them scouted, it doesn't work that well. I uh, I'm curious, Seth, when when I brought up, I want the devil's advocate. You were like in the front row of the roller coaster, pulling the bar down, getting ready for war. What, where did you think I was going to go with that? Oh, I thought you were going to talk about like later, like just things you're worried about with the team, which is where I ended up like wanting to gotcha. go. Too. But like, you know, um, yeah, just some of these things that happened last year in the playoffs, like this year has been they're clearly a, like in a lot of ways, a better team. They, I mean, 57 wins is a ton of wins. That's you know what uh what is that like maybe the second or third most wins since bird yeah i think i think i think we had the graphic it's i think it was third yeah so i mean it's not like this was like a bad team this season by any stretch but you know you can see you know the first month of the season they come out and the ball is moving like crazy and they're dominant and then the ball stops moving and they're not dominant and it, sometimes it feels like maybe it's that simple and and teams do make it hard for you to do that in the playoffs and just the I'm, defense, from my perspective, is just yeah. like defense was their calling card last year. They always had something to lean on. Yep. And this year, it's it's crazy to look up and see their second in defensive rating because it doesn't feel that way. But, you know, they've, they've been very good in spurts and they've been very good when they're healthy. And there's no reason to think it won't kind of go up a level. But you got to show it and you got to do it on that stage. And well, so uh, and it'll look a little bit different, too. Right. Because Rod's not starting. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm eager to see. How is exactly that plays out? How much Rob Al do we see? How much does uh, does Joe remember to to really lean into Derek White and play him in the fourth quarters and crunch time and all that? So all that all that remains to be seen. But uh, if again, it's just weird. The Celtics usually usually we're talking about some crippling injury going into the into the playoffs or mm-hmm. like some 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 something that needs to tip right. It, it's it's almost jarring that they're they're as healthy as they've ever been and since the Jeez, big three era knock on wood yeah, what the hell are you doing no but <laughs> to your point they're, they're good and it, it does feel like they're good enough they just we just they're still wondering if they'll do it and yeah. i guess that's like a fun place to be as a fan to know that your team is good enough to do it but yeah i mean to your point like the defense it is true it's like tempting to say they're i mean they are still an elite defense i guess you can't really argue against it but um, maybe to your point about the four factors thing, like they don't really force turnovers. And mm-hmm. and that was a big part of maybe that's like that turnovers thing is where you go from just being like a really solid defense to being like whatever ferocious stuff was going on for the second half of last season where it was like, yeah, like, like a pack of dogs were attacking the other team at half court. Like, um, yeah, it's different. And for I I don't imagine there'd be much pushback from listeners, viewers, because it's largely a, a Celtics audience. But if there are any Hawks fans that are listening to this going, boy, you guys are cocky. I mean, there's there's a reason to be, honestly. I mean, it's a 57 win team as as highlighted. It's a team that has, you know, a guy who scored more points in a single season, at least average in, in Celtics history and Jason Tatum eclipsing the 30 point a game mark. You have what should be two all NBA players, you know, provided Jalen Brown does make it. You've got, you know, quite possibly the sixth man of the year in Malcolm Brogdon. You've got the reigning defensive player of the year in Marcus Smart, a guy who I think is even better defensively. And Chris's, you know, guy, Rob Williams, you got some good veteran leadership like this team should be in the conversation for banner 18 and, and be among the elite in the NBA, just like we're talking about. And this series should reflect that going up against a team 
that most thought was going to lose in the first round of the play-in tournament. So it's, you know, it should be that lopsided and it should be a uh, a series. The Celtics go out and again, taken four or five games, you know, win by an average of 15 points a game, if not worse. And, and, you know, go away comfortably. And then obviously like Chris alluded to before, get ready for Philly and Milwaukee and see where it goes from there. But what I, what I will say, we were talking about worries before, and and this is, you know, you guys brought up worries that that there's a history of. My worry is simply in the category of the unknown. It could be something I'm worried about for the next few days, and then five minutes into game one, I'm not worried about it anymore. Jalen Brown, we have not talked about in terms of the hand and the stitches. It's his shooting hand. This is a guy who exhibited a, a a real trouble with turnovers in the postseason last year. I've never thought very highly of his handle in the first place. He can be pretty careless with the basketball or, or, or you know, reckless maybe is a better word for it. And so I do worry about that as, as it relates to, you know, having stitches in the middle of your hand and or, you know, even the stitches are out. But like the wound, you know what I mean? Like, I, I do worry about that. I'm not saying this is something that should be alarming. I'm not saying he's going to go out and suck. I'm not saying that, you know, like he he can't shoot and and like all all hope is lost. Like people started to panic when he started wearing the mask for a couple of days. Well, the peripheral vision's gone. It, like the guy put up like 28 points a game shooting over 50 percent wearing the mask. He was fine. He's still wearing it and he doesn't need to. Maybe the hand won't be a concern at all, Chris. But until I see that it's not a concern, I am a little worried about it, which is, I guess, another advantage of the fact they're going up against Atlanta in round one. The the jab would be he never had peripheral vision to to begin with, but no, I'm, <laughs> we're going to nitpick one thing. Um, so yeah, I'll be interested. Like we're recording this on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, we'll probably get a practice where we'll see Jalen. He's supposed to be out there either Thursday or Friday. Uh, maybe we'll get a better look at what exactly that that gash is happening. Celtics have been alarmingly like secure in the fact that it would not hinder him and that he'd be out there uh the rap itself on day one when he showed up at the at, at uh, the game oh you uh, think he put his hand through a window yeah you know people had flashbacks to marcus smart punching mirrors and 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 you know the tearing ligaments and all that but um it feels like hopefully this was the uh you know garden variety gardening accident and uh hopefully he will be okay but yeah it's it's certainly it's it's it's, it's all part of it right like you know, there's a million things we can worry about. And until it, I get out there and and and, and see what happens, I've, I've just choose to uh, bury my head in the sand and believe that they can uh, they can play to to the to their to their potential. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll worry about that if he comes out and turns it over a bunch and or if he has any trouble shooting it. But just like you said, he got the mask and I said, oh, God, here we go. You know, he's going to take away his aggressiveness going at the basket and the drives went up. The finishing didn't seem to diminish. Uh, if there's one person who will probably be undeterred by the little stuff, uh, I think it's Jalen. Uh, but you know what? In the in the bigger picture, I hope we get a Jalen similar to last year when he was one of the best players on on the team, maybe the most consistent. Um, because if they get that level of Jalen, if they get end of this season level of Jalen, uh, I mean that they're, they're you talk about being a legit a legitimate title contender. Uh, that his, I think we forget just how much he's kind of gone up a level. Uh, and as long as he's gets the ball security and, and does those things, uh, you feel really good about, about where this team is. 
best part too with 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 the mask and and the fact that like he's been wearing it so long that even on the broadcast at this point in time they'll acknowledge the fact that he doesn't really need it and i'll be watching games with my oldest he's 10 years old and you know chris you know as a parent and it's like this this is what i guess makes us feel old but makes us feel like these these like our parents in in a way these these like sage you know that call back to the other you know the the olden days if you will at least in our kids eyes so why is he wearing the mask is does he need to wear it's like son let me tell you about Rip Hamilton. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jalen may never take that mask off again. <laughs> oh, it's quite. A we thing. can only hope because yeah. I, I, you know you've heard him say like his mom has told him to keep wearing it. Yeah, and uh, I, I think Mama Brown might be the the key to uh, to to the 2023 Celtics championship because uh, one, she knows what's best for for her son, and uh, and two. Uh, when something's working, don't deviate until you have to. And so uh, I, I almost feel like he's a little bit more fearless with it. And uh, so I would I hope that, uh, you know, maybe they can they need to find the mask version of whatever covers stitches to uh, yeah. put on his hand so that to <laughs> to ensure that, you know, it just it just turns him into uh, into even more of a superhero. Yeah. Can we get him like a Kevlar glove and maybe make it even <laughs> a little bit a little bit like sticky, you know, so yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Why that shots coming out of his hand? Well, I mean, it's, it's worth it. It's worth the trade off. <laughs> he's been playing like I think a lot of some of the best basketball of his career over the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. So, like, I guess the one thing I'm not. I'm going to try to take their word for it that there's like nothing really to worry about long-term here, but uh, <laughs> no history of that in the Celtics. <laughs> right, yeah. We're on safe ground there, but yeah. I will say like, I don't know, you, you do like these things, you know, I guess like these moods kind of exist and like, maybe, maybe like having to put the ball down for a few days could like snap him out of whatever, like he's been doing. That's been so good lately. Um, but I, I worry about that less with him than other guys. I think he's like, he's so confident. It's like the pandemic when we all freaked out that Jason Tatum didn't have a basketball hoop. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, like it just turns out he figured it out. We, this, 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 this is what, this is what happens when we have too much time. We yeah. find like little things to obsess about when we could probably just be confident that they're in a good spot. They're really talented. It's uh, it's just the, the anxiousness of of waiting for this all to get going when you do uh whether it's a i, I don't i assume jalen is going to have media availability and you will all ask him about his hand and all of that it even more than than the condition of the hand i'm just kind of i'm curious as to how he got there like specifically in life like is is, is he a botanist on the side <laughs> what is what what was happening here when did did we know that jalen had a a gardening side of him I, well, I, I mean, remember the tweet? He said, "Water your plants," like uh, <laughs> like a month ago or something like that. We all thought it was we all thought it was the new the energy is about to shift tweet. No, like, he quite literally meant to water your no, plants. No, yeah. And so, uh, what he needs to do is tweet, "Water your plants," like dot 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 carefully, so that yeah. uh, you know, yeah. just just uh, just be careful. You know, it's funny because we're we're always so skeptical, and everyone starts thinking about Rondo in the the trampoline park or slipping yeah. in the shower or whatever. Shower, yeah. Uh, so, uh, but the way he came out with it so quick, I think we only, we almost had the trust that it's, uh, there was nothing nefarious here. Uh, but yeah, it's just a good reminder. It's wild that there's not more like random freak injuries to pro athletes these days. I mean, 
I, I, I started thinking about like Brady. Didn't Brady have a finger thing? Like he caught it. Oh, he got caught on the helmet. It got caught on he, Rex Burkhead's helmet. Yeah. Yeah. So like, like his I mean, finger off practically. Th- that's a little bit more in the line of duty, but um, no. I mean, know, what you're thinking of is like Chris Sale falling off his bike, mm. like that that kind of thing. Yeah. Unfortunately, like I'm glad that most of these guys probably lay low on on days off or whatever. Like especially Rob, just please. Rob, nothing, nothing botanical, nothing, uh, no, 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 uh, no, no trampoline parks with the kids. Like just, just lay low for the postseason, and and uh, in June, just you know, let it rip. I, I also think about Dennis Schroeder. Uh, used to tell us like there was a clause in his contract that he couldn't skateboard. Yeah, uh, yeah, I and, remember that. You know, and so uh, good on good on GMs for looking out for their 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 uh, their players and their assets and their teams ability to win by prohibiting them from you know doing crazy reckless activities like no one's going skydiving right now or anything like that at least i hope not you can just see prospective teams giving their you know any any free agents potential free agents or guys they would trade for a a little little questionnaire a little survey what are your hobbies what are you into oh skateboarding all right write that into the contract can't do that anymore (laughs) nope not for that crap and like and tatum just golfs I th- you know, and now it's we're into golf season, so I feel pretty comfortable about that. Although I got Golfson hit by a ball. shows up in every commercial you've ever seen. Yeah, you know, so uh, you know, but there's still there's still dangerousness out on the golf course. So uh, just yeah. keep him, just keep him out of the line of fire. You know, maybe clear the golf course before he gets out there. Give him a nice breezy round. They need um, to spend some time with Kaufman's DVD rack, right? <laughs> yeah, just come over. We'll we'll hang out. We'll get an advanced screening of air. We'll all watch it together. Me and all the players. It'll be great. Perfect. Be awesome. I saw you were rocking the uh the the new Tatums, by the way, Chris. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh I had to give them right back when I was done. No, uh, stop it. Yeah, really? Yeah, that is true. Uh they were just a demo pair. Uh they just happened to be my size. And so we uh we took them onto the set. Uh I will say having not other than just seeing him wear them. Uh, the most notable aspect is they're very light. You, uh, I don't know if you've if you picked up a lot of these basketball shoes, but one, like you know, obviously, NBA players' feet are gigantic to begin with. But then sure. you you pick up some of these high tops, and I mean, Luke Cornett's shoes look like they weigh twenty like twenty pounds each because they're 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 just they're just gigantic. The volume. Uh, t- the, the Tatum's are are very light, and there's just like little plastic piece on the bottom that I don't know if that gives you extra spring or whatever, but it's a force plate. Um, it is it is neat to see the the uh, inner workings of them, and I I but I am more uh, intrigued by when the 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 multiple colorways will drop as he uh, as he just has an endless stream of variations that have come out, and uh, I think the zoos are the only ones you can go get right now. Are we obligated as Celtics fans to do the whole these shoes are fire thing, or can we say what we really think? Uh, I, you are allowed to say whatever you think, and if you you know, I think I've been pretty honest by in, in admitting that. The zoos are not my favorite colorway, and uh, even when that first image leaked, everyone was like, "Oh, maybe it's just a bad photo." No, you know the, the, <laughs> no, the darker so blue. It's it's just it it it's it's interesting. Um, I I suspect that the future colorways will will sell even greater amounts of of product. The pink lemonade and the uh, he did one for his mom that was like a black and white and 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 then highlighter yellow in there. Uh, I think these uh the creativeness of with with which he's attacked the others will uh will will allow you to uh d- to uh to forget that version 1.0 is uh 
is maybe not the most attractive shoe. <laughs> so, Seth, you won't be buying those. Do I look like I'm like out buying <laughs> fashion? Like uh, you know, I don't know anything. This is like the one part of the NBA I seem not to follow. Yeah, uh, air was very good, by the way. I know Seth, you're not into it at all, but uh, Chris, if you haven't seen it, I mm. highly recommend it. Nice. Well, I'm gonna have to put it on the list. I will. Uh, I, I'm only like ten years behind on movies, so you've got I'm nothing sure. but downtime now, man. You know, I mean, series to cover for <laughs> another three weeks. I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll show my my age here. I don't even know if my age is the right thing, but just my my the, the way I gravitate. Uh, when we when I went, I went uh, went to Atlanta and Houston to uh, whatever that March road trip was, and uh, I pulled up the in-flight entertainment. And of course, you know, you, you're, you're intrigued by some of the new releases are on there. Some of like, you know, recently re- released. Uh, I watched Ferris Bueller on both the uh, trip there and back. So uh, that's all time favorites. Nice. So spirits. The, movie, the movie I've seen more than any other movie. <laughs> yes. And, and so uh, if, if, if anyone, if any of these young kids want to get on me about not watching uh, something more modern, I, I, I weep for the future. <laughs> It's just all the uh the what Mia Sarah is that uh that's her that's, yeah and then she, yeah. so and, and actually that that's where I, I now I'm gonna take your podcast straight off the rails after you watch Ferris Bueller twice you start thinking um about some of those things and you you read her history and and she did some like sci-fi stuff but really just kind of fell off the face of the earth and went and went and became a mom and um just she's was okay poet. she's a poet. Yeah, yeah. It, it, she I was in Time Cop that. with Van Damme. I just want to, yeah, yeah we know you mentioned that. <laughs> Not, I, I, I should have said she she did some stuff and then fell off the face. Yes, um, but no, it's uh, it, it is fascinating. The, the even the even more interesting part, and I wish I could remember Hugh. It, it, it might have been like a John Hughes biography or whatever, but I guess when they were uh, when they put that cast together, and obviously every John Hughes movies had had sort of a standard cast. And they took a real chance with Matthew Broderick and and, and all that. So uh, when they first took them out in the field to like just what they call wardrobe test, they're like, "Man, these these three have no chemistry. This movie's gonna bomb." Uh, yeah, <laughs> they 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 did not have uh, they did not have the right scouting report on on Ferris Bueller. Mia, if you're listening, welcome on the pod anytime. Big fan. <laughs> uh, let's <laughs> let's. Uh, I have stumbled upon her uh, her Instagram page and and did see that she was a poet too. Uh, she looks like she has a lovely family. Let's wrap up this podcast and uh, le- leave it with this Celtics in Ooh. what will it be? How many games? I'm going to say five. I always lean towards the gentleman sweep. Um, I do think, I, and again, I can't tell you how it's going to be. I suspect it'll be more of the Celtics missing a bunch of shots and the, uh, the Hawks being super active on the glass and they steal, I guess it would have to be game three. Because Celtics win both here, they go back there. If they take Game Three, then it's you know three zero. It's you know one two three Cancun for for the Hawks. <laughs> but um, I suspect they'll you know get some energy going back home, and the Celtics will be feeling pretty good about themselves. There'll be that long layoff in between. There's plenty of excuses we can build in immediately here. Uh, and so I'll say I'll say five for 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 round one. Yeah, it feels like five. Five feels right to me. Four a sweep feels wrong. Five feels right. Yeah, right there. Like I said, I've already put money on it. So uh, thanks to uh, Amit. Thanks to Mike behind the scenes. Thanks to Evan just for being you and for taking the show next week, hopefully wrapping up a uh, a, an opening series win. You're you're thanking uh, people that aren't even here. 
Yeah, I, I, look, so there are a lot of people that, that make this show thanks, possible, thanks Chris. Thanks to Mia Sara. Yeah, thanks no, to Mia exactly. Sara for, for being a, a nightly inspiration for, for so many of us of a certain age. And uh, yeah, thanks to Seth, thanks to Chris. I'm Adam. We'll see you later at Celtics Beat. Go see Saturday, game one. Thank you, Abe Froman. Ha, ha, ha.